What's going on, everybody? My name is Eric Velasquez with Alamo City Agenda. How's everybody doing today? Uh, we are here at Two Stuffed Burritos um, over here on uh, Northwest, Mil- Northwest Loop 410. Um, what are some good identifiers? I think by Evers, right? Or is it? No, not Evers. By Evers. Uh, uh, by, um, yeah, Evers the old Cinemark. Yeah, the old Cinemark uh, movie theater over here on the, on the west side. So um, it is not open right now, but you can come down anyway if you want to be a participant. Um, just don't act crazy. So, <laughs> uh, so anyway, um, but yeah, so we're here at, at stuffed burritos and this is amazing artwork behind us is from, uh, my dear friend, uh, Colton Valentine. So, uh, thank you, Colton. And I'm sure two stuff loves this background cause it's always on there. So, um, so before we start to see Betty says I'm present. Hi, Betty. How are you? Um, good morning. Good morning, Anthony. Anthony says, uh, good morning, Jacob. Oh, good morning, Anthony. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, um, yeah, so we're here with Jacob Chapa. So how are you doing, sir? I'm doing good. Yeah. I'm excited to be here. Yeah. And uh, before this podcast started, you gave me a little rundown on how you got everything started. And oh, yeah. uh, I think it's uh, very impressionable. Thank you. And it's important that you do this because you're giving exposure to candidates and you are allowing potential voters to make informed decisions yes thank you yeah for sure and um i do apologize i couldn't get uh jacob a burrito right now they're not open (laughs) (laughs) he's like like, is it open i'm like no i mean i would go back there but i'm pretty sure uh, my buddy would not like that um (laughs) no but anyway um okay so tell us how how was your weekend itself my weekend uh well now they're usually filled with block walking Mm. And just the block walks neighborhoods and yeah uh, it's a good workout maybe seven eight miles and every now and then there'll be somebody watering their grass or cutting their yard <laughs> and you get to introduce yourself and, yeah yeah and make a good impression on them so but i'm usually doing that you know mornings evenings so I know, it's, it's, it's getting, a little, yep. getting a little toasty <laughs> did you did you do any block walking when it was cold Oh yeah, that was yeah. my favorite. <laughs> you're like, <I'm- laughs> that, that was my favorite because your body warms up a little bit. Right, you start feeling nice. So yeah, for sure. Yeah, um, it's always good to to do those things, and it's it's interesting the reactions you get from people uh, when you go up and talk to them, and especially mm-hmm. if you're the actual candidate, they're like, oh, you're the candidate, and and it's funny because there's sometimes where they're like, nobody's ever come over here, yeah. you know, and and it's you know, there's a lot of houses, there's a lot of people. Um, but the fact that they meet somebody, it, it's impressionable. Like, like kind of is like impressionable. Like, okay, oh, so you're the actual person. They get to talk to you directly. Um, and that's the whole reason why this show, too, is we want people to be able to ask questions directly. So if you have a comment, if you have a question, please uh, put it in the comments. You can jump, come down here real quick for a little bit, hang out with us. Um, again, there's no food, uh, but uh, you can still come down and ask a question directly. Uh, and then also, yeah, so it's on there on the, uh, you can do it on the comments. So, okay. So let's, let's get right to it. What? Oh, and if you hear an echo, it's, it sounds like we're in like a great hall right now is because we have like super high ceiling. So just, just, you know, that we're like in a, at a church. All right. No. <laughs> no, um, okay. So what was that first step like when you're like, you know what? I'm going to go and run in for office. I'm going to put in, put my hand in the ring because it's not an e- easy decision. So no. what, what was your thought process? Well, this was about June of last year. 
and uh, I was kind of researching the 2021 race, and I looked at the turnout, and it was about 15,000 votes, and uh, Anna beat uh, Patty 11,000 to 4,000. You know, those are rough estimates. And so I split that in half and thought, you know, that's about 7,000, 8,000, not only to win, but to at least make it to the runoff. And uh, I've lived in District 7 my whole life. I have a good personal network. You know, I know people from elementary school, from middle school, high school, you know, football teams, all that kind of stuff. And so I thought to myself, and I know myself personally that I like to work hard and I have a vested interest in politics. And I thought, why not? Yeah. You know, I mean, I think there's a chance for me to win. And uh, even if I don't win, I mean, it was clearly a great investment in myself and consider the people I've met so far and the connections I've made and, you know, and the practice and public speaking. So <laughs> I, I saw nothing from, I, there was nothing to lose basically. Yeah. There was nothing to lose. Yeah, for sure. And the public speaking is, is correct. Like it's, it, mm-hmm. it puts you out there and also puts your life out there too. Yep. You know, and so a lot of people might not be ready for that. Some people are like, Oh, I'm already out there anyway. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> um, so speaking about football, Who's your favorite team? Dallas Cowboys. <laughs> Dallas Cowboys. <laughs> I'm a little dissatisfied uh, with them right now. I'm a little dissatisfied with Dak Prescott, but I might have to give him just one more year. One more one year. More year one to prove more year. Him, I, <laughs> I might say that every year, but <laughs> I feel like I've reached the breaking point. Hey, but you know, it's that's the thing, though, is, is you have to support your team regardless, right? Yeah. And you look at the, you know, transition back, you, you look at the Spurs, you look at the missions, uh, there's the, the support is dwindling, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and there's even thoughts about or, or talks about uh, the Spurs moving to Austin, um, yep. whether that may be true or not. You know, it, it's getting a lot talking about it more and uh, we have to support the people here, right? The, the the things that we have here, if you wanted to say here, you look at uh, Splashtown. Splashtown closed. Mm-hmm. And, you know, people are like, oh, save Splashtown. But you can't save Splashtown. You can't save these things. You can't save the Spurs if you go and enjoy these things that we have here. Now, granted, if the price is, is just too much for any, you know, person to go, then that's that's an issue, mm-hmm. right? And so... What are your thoughts on the uh, the baseball field that they want to build downtown? It would take away housing. It probably uh, put in processes similar to that of eminent domain. And uh, I mean, they're doing it for a good reason. They're not trying to, you know, all the planners for this don't want to be bad people because it would bring revenue and uh, it would bring other businesses to put themselves around the baseball park. But uh, I think you have to definitely respect the people that are already there, the businesses that are already there, and you really do have to receive their full consent. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think if there's any dissent on the baseball park being constructed, then uh, it shouldn't be constructed. Yeah. Because, uh, I mean, the people were rightfully there and they have their businesses, they have their homes. And uh, also, I think that there's other parts of San Antonio, you know, especially downtown right now, it's becoming gentrified and property values are really going up. So if they're considering building a baseball park, uh, I would say maybe put that on the far west side over by Alamo Ranch, where it's really starting to grow. And then, you know, you add a baseball park to that, you get even more retail. Uh, perhaps you get some financial businesses moving over there. So I think uh, 
location is what they should really be taking into consideration. Well, I mean, we have the missions, you know, mm-hmm. and that's the thing is yeah. it would be similar to the missions baseball, but I think it would be like a triple A or I forget what, what rating it would be, but we already have the missions here. You know, we mm-hmm. have them there on the West side and there's plenty of parking, but not that many people show up. Maybe, I don't know yeah. what the attendance levels are right now, but um, we need to support. And if not, we can't be using tax dollars to support something that people aren't going to, yep. you know what I mean? So that that's, that's the thing is, so when you said that it's, it's okay with imminent domain, in what aspects are you okay with imminent domain? Uh, I'd say, like, as I said before, where you get the full consent of the people that are already there and the businesses that are that we see something similar going on in downtown right now mm-hmm. with uh, Moses Roses. Uh, Roses, I can't remember who waited. Yeah, Moses Roses. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, you know, and we see issues like that. And I just, you know, the government does have that power, but I find it inappropriate when they don't have the full consent of the people that are already there. And when the payoffs aren't high enough and they can't really negotiate well on payoffs. And I, I just, I've never been a huge fan of eminent domain. I see that there are benefits and that building certain projects and funding certain projects can definitely help the city and raise revenue. Uh, but at the same time, you have to respect, especially the businesses. I mean, somebody that has a business, it just didn't pop into their hands. They spent <laughs> yeah. their whole life working on that. You know, they spent their whole life getting money. Uh, building support and overall that maintaining it and so i think those things have to be respected i mean number one over imminent domain yeah so in this last one would you have voted for the use of imminent domain against roses moses oh i would not okay i definitely would not um tell us about your district i know we've heard it from the other candidates but what Mm -hmm. tell me about your district and, and what you feel about it District 7, it's a, it's an interesting district. I mean, the people there, as in everywhere in San Antonio, I believe they're hardworking people. Uh, you have it split between the inside 410 and the outside 410. And what I hear from people is that those uh, areas are completely different. They have different needs. Mm-hmm. And so I think that a representative definitely has to account for that. And in their way, you know, it's a pseudo manner of managing two districts. Because that's what people will say. They'll say that's two different worlds. And so uh, you definitely have to take that into account. But I think for any representative, that's good experience because, uh, you know, even at the local level, you're learning how to balance the needs of different parts of your constituency. Yeah. And that's a very important skill to have. But the district itself, as in the tangible aspects, uh, there's not there's not a whole lot of room for development. It's a little crowded. Yeah, it's a little, it's a, it's a yeah. little crowded. And uh, actually, we're over here by 410 in Bandera. And I just see this intersection. And there are some businesses uh, on that left side of 410. But overall, it's becoming desolate. And I think to myself, you know, if I'm elected, I really want to bring investment to that area, uh, whether it's retail, whether it's financial. I mean, I think that, you know, that's a... It's just part of human interaction. I mean, intersections are where you want to be. And I don't think that intersections should be wasted. And I see that intersection and there's not, I mean, there's a few car leaderships on the other side, but the inside, there's not much activity going on. And so I definitely want to see more activity going on there. And uh, I think that's beneficial to all the district because it's a a revenue generator. Do you know of uh, of a, does District 7 has a, uh, do, do they have a TERS? 
Do they have one? Atters? I don't know what those are. The tax tax investment reinvestment zone. Um, it's oh, basically okay. it's like the one where um, the city sets aside so much money for a specific corridor uh, for businesses to um, make the f- facade of, of businesses like nice or landscape mm-hmm. and all that stuff. So I believe that District 7 does. I just don't know where it's at. No, I, need to, I definitely need to research okay. this. Because that, that would be something that mm-hmm. maybe maybe if the zone needs to be moved somewhere else, maybe you do that. You know what I mean? Because there's only so much you can do with one zone, you know, what I mean? yeah. <laughs> after a certain period of time. <laughs> um, okay. So <clears throat> Anthony says, uh, <laughs> you know me, uh, police reform. Uh, what are your views with police violating our civil rights? And would you support a special counsel type investigation into SAPD with the power to level criminal charges? Uh, leveling criminal charges if it is criminal i mean i believe it's appropriate i'm a big believer in police accountability and uh, making sure that we're holding our police accountable by having them properly follow code and uh, if they're not i believe they should be punished as such and if uh, the revenue as in the taxpayer money accounts to it i think we should have audits as well to see you know audits into the hiring process audits into who are we retaining and uh, audits overall into the conduct of their behavior because of uh, police accountability, you know, it, it's extremely important for society to function mm-hmm. because if the police aren't accountable, I mean, the police are part of the state. So that means that the state yeah. is not accountable and uh, that in some people's views can be tyranny. Yeah. Well, and there's, there's the whole uh, aspect of imminent, uh, imminent domain. <laughs> qualified immunity too. Mm-hmm. you know, that the police have. And that's, it's been a big issue from what people say, but, you know, and some will argue, well, it's just isolated, small instances. So, I mean, do you agree with that or? It is uh, isolated, small instances, but I don't think that because it's simply a small instance or it doesn't happen very much that you shouldn't audit them hmm. and that the whole force shouldn't be reviewed for their accountability. Right. Because it is an important aspect, not only for the police force themselves, but to build a culture of respect from the citizens viewpoint. Right. Are you sure? Or not? <laughs> no, yeah, yeah, for sure. Like, and that's something that you would think that it's, it's a no brainer, right? We should have that or be able mm-hmm. to somewhat, you know, and some people will say, well, uh, police were never here to be, you know, here for the people itself. And, and in tec- technical ways, it's not, they're not here. They're not obligated to protect and serve, even though that's one of their autos. It's, they're not, legally obligated to so it's a weird thing uh jr says uh thanks jacob good to see you oh hey jr me and him met personally he's a he's a great guy yeah for sure morning jr <laughs> good morning uh and just make sure you guys can hear everything good there's no buzzing there's no um you can hear the mics good just give me a thumbs up or just say yes sounds good uh just want to make sure <laughs> I always I always get worried with these things um what's the biggest struggle you see as a resident and and also the residents themselves like what, what are some of the problem areas that people are saying for district seven now uh, well when I ask them you know what is your biggest concern or what are your two biggest concerns everybody says crime and property taxes and yeah. so I mean yeah. it's pretty routine and 
uh, for crime. I just I, I mentioned to them there is a disparity between our police force. I mean, they're not keeping up with the growing population at all. You look at our crime rate for property and violent crime, it's one to 20 people. But our officer to citizen ratio is one to 508 people. And I tell them the disparity lies uh, within those numbers and uh, fixing that issue. I mean, you have to incentivize people to want to become police because right now young people and I believe middle aged people, uh, they don't want to become police. They're not incentivized. And so the logistical way I tell people I think to some fix police that, don't want to be police at the moment. No, too. It, yeah, yeah. It, it, it's, it's a bad <laughs> issue. And, you know, if you want to fix it, everything can't be fixed with money and, you know, logistics. But if you want to, I mean, it all just comes down to more leverage when they negotiate with the city, more better benefits, more paid time off. But that's just one side of it. I mean, I think the other side is that the city government really has to push a constant culture of respect and investment into our police force and uh, never defunding them. I would say never defunding them also because. When people say defund the police, the police and the fire uh, SAFD, they're connected. And so when you try to defund the police, you're also defunding SAFD. And uh, I don't think that helps anyone. So I definitely believe in growing our police force because I think it leads to a safer community. And apart from that, it reduces average response times. And uh, that's ultimately going to save lives. So what do you say to those? Because there's a lot of people that are saying otherwise that, that the police mm-hmm. are not there to help us. And and a lot of people hesitate to call the police. Um, so what do you say to those people? Because that's that's a it, it seems to be like a little bit of a growing number of people that are saying that they don't like the way the police are being approaching people or different things like mm-hmm. that, different tactics. And things. Oh yeah. And, and I, I feel sorry for them if they were a victim of abuse of power and uh, kind of power hungry, what is it? They're on a power high policeman. But uh, you know, like, like we said earlier, it's many times it's instances, it's very situational. It doesn't happen much, but when it does happen, you know, I believe just like crime, it has to be nipped in the bud. They have to be held accountable. There has to be appropriate punishment. But when they talk about the police force as a whole, I mean, I just I try to remind them that the police force is there for order. And even if you don't realize it, even if it was just a normal day for you, the police force was maintaining order for you. And that's why you had a normal day. If they weren't there, you might have not had a normal day. And so, you know, I I just have to try to remind them that, you know, all throughout your day, they're there. And they're aiding you and they're protecting you in ways that you can't tangibly see. You can't see it in front of you, uh, but it is going on. And they're just as important for society as government, as education, as anything else, because uh, crime is going up in San Antonio. And uh, I think uh, defunding them and making the force smaller and hindering their capabilities of combating crime uh, in the long run, it doesn't help anyone. Gotcha. So what are your... What are your thoughts on the uh, the Justice Charter, uh, the Prop A thing? Justice Charter, I will be voting no to that in May. Um, I read the full 13 pages. Uh, the abortion and marijuana, that, that's left up. You know, those are state issues, but certain cities have decriminalized them. Austin and San Marcos and different areas of that. And so it, it's a legal battle. There's going to be many legalities. Mm-hmm. But the reason I say no to the Justice Charter is the $750 theft rule. That someone can take $750 from business and all the police can do is warning, citation, or ticket. 
I mean, and that's just for one person. I mean, let's say it's a duo going in. That means them together can take $1,500. Let's say we're here at Two Stuffed Burritos. They can come in, loot this place of $1,500. The police are outside waiting for them, and they can't put them into custody. They'll just yeah. give them a ticket and have them on their way. Like, okay, show up to the JP court, and, and you know, who knows if they're going to show up. You know, yeah. They might just throw the ticket away after that. And so... uh well, I mean, at that point, it would be a, a, a warrant, which would be even worse. Mm-hmm. But, but yeah, I mean, it's it's uh, one of those things that you're saying. It's you're not taking care of the problem right then and there. I mean, it's, well, there's the, there's the there would be an issue a warrant issued if you don't show up to court. But then that's also another thing. The charter has this certain part where you no longer have to show a state issued ID to identify yourself. You can show a utility bill. You can show anything else with an address. So let's say you show a utility bill with someone else's address and someone else's name and claim it to be you. But then you don't have to show up to court because they don't know it's you. And so there's many flaws uh, within the Justice Charter. I don't want to be ignorant and say that, you know, there's no good things to it. Part of it would save booking costs in jail. And I think that that could be reinvested in a proper manner for our community. But when I just look at the $750 theft rule that you can't arrest, I mean, that is a death sentence to small business. That's a death sentence to people who have worked really hard. And a side effect of that is it's going to put so much more inflationary pressure because now small businesses are going to have to spend more money on surveillance and security and insurance and things of that sort. And so it's going to inflate their costs and it's just going to make them even less competitive compared to the conglomerates. So uh, I, I view the Justice Charter, honestly, it's very anti-small business. Mm. And, and like personally the the fact that there's multiple bills um to me that's a problem only because i've never been a fan of multiple item bills in general um because then you're lumping everything together and 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 it's just something that's not not conducive to the whole stuff that getting done you know what i mean and mm-hmm. it's we see that up in in, tech, in austin and we see that up in, in washington like they make these big bills or they make bills that are lumped up together and it, you don't know you're you're read like they, they don't have time to read them sometimes mm-hmm. and they're just voting on things and it's just not granted we have time to read this one but um you know there's been a lot of here this and that and, and all that stuff and just so y'all know um i will be speaking with uh uh, Danny Diaz from Sapoa on April 10th. Um, so feel free to jump into that one as well. He will be speaking about the opposition of Prop A as well. So, um, oh, let's get to some of these comments. Uh, Betty says, I can hear very good. Yes. <laughs> um, and you have a great speaking voice. Oh, it's it's all process, Betty. This is all process. I do the little, you know, put a little deep bass in my voice and uh, make it sparkle. <laughs> no, but um, oh, good. That's good. Uh, okay, so Shannon, uh, he did speak on uh, supporting Prop A or not, and he did say that he would vote no. Uh, right? Yes. Yeah, okay. So, all right. Um. What's your favorite small business in this district? Small business, uh, like, and it could be say, it could be a restaurant. Thinking about a restaurant, yeah. yeah. No pressure. I would say Tinka Taco. Oh, okay. I really like Tinka Taco. Yeah. And it's right across the street from where I went to middle school. I went to Stevenson Middle School, and so it's right across the street. So I have a lot of memories of going with my friends after school. And which one? 
Is there is there on, only uh, one? Or no, there's like a couple think, of them. I think there's multiple. This one's on Gilbo and Tezel. Oh, okay. Because mm-hmm. okay. I remember we used to go into Tinka Taco, but I can't remember where it was at. <laughs> I was like, oh, I remember Tinka Taco. It's, it's been a minute. Uh, any other ones? Uh, let me think. You can name as many as you want. It's, it's uh, we're promoting small business. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, this one, I mean, it's a small business still, but it's become very popular. 210 ice cream. It's really? 210 ice cream, but they're very impressive because their menu is enormous. Really? I mean, do they, they have the alcohol infused uh, ice cream? No. No? Oh, <laughs> I've seen those. I was like, ooh. I wonder how that would be, but I'm like, I don't know. How would it be? How would it be? It'd be like in a hot summer day, taking <laughs> some ice cream with it, like, oh, my stomach hurts. No. Yeah, it's a lot of sugar, too. I know. Yeah. I'm like, oh, I don't know. But some of these drinks have sugar, a lot of sugar in them anyway. Mm-hmm. I mean, look at the sweet teas. But <laughs> I love sweet tea. Um, <laughs> Okay, so two two one zero. You said ice creams. Mm-hmm. Okay, any other ones? Mm, let me think. Uh, there was over here on the Bandera and Evers. There was a fruiteria that I used to go a lot as a kid. The one with the tree in the middle. Yeah, it used yeah. to be a house. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Is it still there? I believe it's still there. I haven't been in a little bit, but I have a lot of childhood memories there. Yeah. I, if anybody knows the name of that place, uh, shout it out. Because yeah, I've been there a few times. And uh, <laughs> I just remember the tree in the house. Like in, inside, you're paying for it, and there's a tree right in the middle. Uh, but yeah, they have, good, they have good stuff there. Uh, so, yeah. Uh, okay. So, what are the present struggles for small businesses, like as far as like construction or... Uh, anything else with the small business that you've heard of? Well, I mean, it's, uh, I think, the same that the citizens are feeling. Everybody feels an inflationary pressure right now. And so that's, that makes investing and putting a down payment extremely hard. It makes it hard to prop up a business. And so, I mean, I think on part of the city, we should just do all we can to make sure that we're affording dollars back to the citizens. And so, you know, I think that comes down to offering as much property tax relief as possible. Mm-hmm. I've many times mentioned a 20% max general homestead exemption, which is the most allowed by the state of Texas. And I have a PowerPoint on my website where I run the numbers down and the estimates from Sabre. And, and I think it's extremely feasible and uh, it would be extremely beneficial to the citizens. And so uh, things of that sort, uh, making sure that we're not putting any energy efficiency regulations on our businesses, you know, any, and I mean, energy efficiency, is it necessary for climate change and resiliency and things of that sort? Yes, but you have to prioritize, I mean, what you want. And we want businesses to flourish, I think, over that. And so I think any regulations, whether it's coming to green energy or uh, just ways of the city trying to be sneaky and put taxes in there need to be lifted. And we need to allow uh, small businesses to flourish. And hopefully the city doesn't get too uh, stingy and they realize, well, wait, this small business is flourishing. This small business got propped up. And what are they doing? They're selling. And now we're getting that uh, sales tax from them, which is one of the three vessels of tax revenue the city gets. And so I think increasing the amount of things being sold, our overall GDP in the city, is uh, beneficial to everyone because, you know, like they say, one person's expenditure is another person's income. Yeah. Well, and, and what are your thoughts on this as far as with the 
the property tax rebates for the actual citizens, not just the, the small businesses, because we see a lot of that stuff happening where a lot of these businesses get tax abatements and mm-hmm. the citizens are left footing the bill for a lot of things. Yep. Yeah, and that, that happens a lot of time. And it's simply, I mean, the city bases it off the merits that the businesses are generating more revenue and the properties are sitting there appreciating slowly or faster, depending on how the market's going. But, uh, you know, like I said, I mean, I think a 20% general homestead exemption is a good option. Uh, you know, and I ran that over and saw that between fiscal year 23 and fiscal year 24, using averages, uh, property tax revenue from single home residences would still go up 15% uh, due to new housing construction. I saw a study by A&M where it said in San Antonio, single home construction permits are going to go up 5.3%. And then Realtor.com has a study saying that property values are estimated to still appreciate at about 4.6%. Mm. And so that increase in both volume and uh, the actual value, I think, really gives us way to offer more tax relief. And when you go 15% year over year for just one cohort of the types of properties being taxed, I mean, that's a pretty good number. And so I've also written down in the pamphlet that I pass out that I think with that you can even afford additional relief i mean you can add uh, young financially burdened families you know i don't know how to define that yet you have yeah. to find a number to define that but you can add them to just get a you know a certain part of their property tax bill cut off a certain percentage or a certain numerical amount and uh, i think there are many ways in which the city can aid the citizens when you consider how fast uh, the city is growing so therefore there's more volume to be taxed and how property values are still going up. And going back to what you said at the beginning, that the businesses are getting these abetments and benefits. I mean, uh, that's to be expected, and the businesses do deserve that. But uh, I think that we should definitely adopt a 20% max general homestead exemption and uh, search for other ways in which uh, property values, basically, you know, being respectful of the fact that a person's home is many times their largest investment and so when you talk about hood mandates you want to put the hood mandate in an area that's similar because you don't want to see the surrounding homes go down in value and at the same time you don't want to adopt policies or cause the home to go up too fast in value because then people can't keep up with their taxes appropriately so i think the city always has to be conscious that the most important thing to do when considering housing is ensuring that someone's home has a gradual incremental increase in value because that's what promotes stability yeah yeah well and that's the thing too is a lot of people don't know how that works and how the homestead exemption work mm-hmm. um it's confusing like i'll be honest it's confusing to me still even though i can lower my tax rate you know but it, it, it's it seems like okay they'll put this 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 uh percentage amount but the home will be just priced way over you know what mm-hmm. what it was and it's yep. it kind of you know zeroing that out so it's just it's it's frustrating but I, I think somebody brought up at one point where it'd be beneficial if like let's say you've had your home for like 10 years then there would be like a freeze like a complete property tax freeze i think that would be something kind of decent mm-hmm. um, but i don't know i don't know what, you, what are your thoughts on that <laughs> Uh, yeah, and we have a tax freeze right now for the elderly, and disabled, and veterans, and 
Uh, I think they raised it last year from 65,000 to 85,000. And uh, I think tax freezes are useful. Uh, they should definitely be utilized. But what were we talking about before that? I was going to make a point. Oh, oh sorry. <laughs> <laughs> and I lost my train of thought. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Sorry. Um, it was about the uh, the percentages. Oh, um, you're talking about people's properties being appraised. And that it gets way over what it actually is. Right. And I think that's something that the citizens really need to take up with the county. Uh, because right now the appraisal district, uh, they're underemployed mm-hmm. and they don't have the manpower. And so when they don't have the manpower, it, it leads to a very, you know, I'm not trying to call the employees lazy. Yeah. But because you don't have enough people, the way that you're appraising values is lazy. I mean, you, you're going to you're going to a zip code and you're seeing, yeah. oh, okay, well, this one has three bedrooms and two baths, and this one has three bedrooms and two baths, and they're both about fifteen hundred square feet. Right. And so they just base it off these very simple figures, very simple statistics, and they're like, okay, we're gonna appraise them at the same value. Yeah. And yeah. it's the government. I mean, the government's gonna try to squeeze every penny out of you that they can. So of yeah. course, when they appraise it, uh, they're really gonna put it up so right. i think it's important that we adopt uh, some centers uh, some online forums and there already are but i think that we should invest it in even more telling people how to appraise their value and having uh, yeah. people really i mean not how to appraise how to contest appraisal yeah. yeah oh and that's happening right now actually citywide um the city has a few different locations where they're doing seminars and stuff like that i know i did one personally and with the chief appraiser they were like that was the most engagement they've ever had. I'm like, wow, that's crazy. But it's it's the thing of of even the property tax, like chief appraiser is telling everybody, protest your property taxes. Mm-hmm. It's a protest. It's, it's, yep. Just do it. <laughs> um, uh, are you going to be for or against the CPS rate hike um, that I think will be going on next year? I will be against uh, like my philosophy and energy, you know, and and I see them. I've also been asked in another, it was a candidate survey. How do you feel about them trying to phase out coal, which I believe starts in 2027 and all these efforts I'm for them, but I'm only for them if they ensure that inflationary pressure is not going to be placed onto citizens Mm. because the demand for energy, you know, it's never going down. It's always going up and people are never going to stop. Yeah. buying energy and so you know you got to ensure that all the options are there and that the supply is there and so i think if you cut off coal and uh you know and even this rate hike which uh, i'm not entirely for you know even last year we had that issue about the cps energy windfall and how to use it and whether we should reinvest it back to the city and i was for 100 percent giving it back to the consumers I mean, I, I think that CPS energy windfalls shouldn't be used as some sort of taxing mechanism for the city. I mean, to fund projects for the city because those things should be satisfied by the general fund. Yeah. And I think that every a CPS energy windfall belongs to the consumers. And so when it comes to energy in the city, I just want to make sure that we're taking appropriate steps to make sure that supply is steady and that supply is high. And that is remaining slightly above demand uh, so that there is no inflationary pressure. We have stability. Yeah. And uh, I also do believe that we should invest more as a city into auditing CPS and their internal functions and how they work as a whole. I think I've heard that from people. Would you audit CPS? And I mean, if the citizens want it to happen, I believe it should happen. It should happen regardless. Like it's, I mean, we're yeah. going <laughs> to audit the police department. My well audit CPS. My well audit SAWS. You know, I mean, there's, there's all these things because I, do feel 
like the city is, is using these entities as a taxing mechanism. Yeah, no, the city will tax you. Governments will tax you however they want. I yeah. mean, and they'll, they'll find any way, like I said, to squeeze any penny out of you. Uh, because at the end of the day, while the government does put regulations and it is uh, in charge of maintenance and operations over the city, uh, the government in its own way, it acts like a corporation. It acts like a company. It has its employers. It has its investments. They get bonuses. They get bonuses. They have a lot of benefits. <laughs> and so it, it really, I mean, it's while it's governance and it's, uh, you know, it's a public entity, it is still, it has very much aspects like a corporation yeah and so they're going to try to tax you and they're going to try to increase their profits by any means necessary and uh i think as citizens it's just important that you uh you know like we said you protest your property value going up and uh that you ask for the city to be audited uh, because at the end of the day the thing that's different about the city and a business is that a business gets someone by giving them their dollar Mm. they're voting with their dollar right the city gets money from the taxpayer yeah. So at the same time, I mean, none of that really, none of that belong. It shouldn't belong to see. It belongs no. to you because you're the taxpayer, and you should be uh, receiving a proper investment. And if you're not, I mean, I think that it's time to ask for change in your city. If you don't feel like you're getting an investment on your tax dollars. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and how how are you going to go? How are you going to encourage people to vote, and not just the whole come and vote? You know, kind mm-hmm. of. You know, how are you going to encourage people to vote? Because that's that's another big issue. Like you were saying, there was only was it fourteen thousand people that came and voted? In, yeah, fifteen thousand. Fifteen thousand out of twenty-one. I'm sure it's a hundred and sixty thousand. Well, that's the total population. I don't know about the voting age, but it's it's still a pretty it's it's a small turnout. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> the way I would get people to vote, and the way I would get is that I would make sure that they become cognizant. And that they really grasp the concept that city government, even though in municipal elections, even though it might seem like it's unimportant and it's irrelevant because they're not big names, it's extremely important. And it possibly might even be more important than national politics. Mm -hmm. Because at the end of the day, when you have a crack in your street, when you have a crime problem, when you have a speed bump that's breaking down, when you have et cetera, et cetera, who's going to fix it? The president is coming. The Congress isn't going to help you. Right. The federal government is not coming. It's the city government. And the city government is the closest form of government to the citizens. And so I think that, you know, they get many times too caught up in mainstream narratives and mm-hmm. caught up in national politics, thinking, oh, this is a way to change my life. And this is the way to uh, bring change into my life that I want to see it, which is why you vote. Uh, you vote to see, you know, your interests reflected in government. But when you're voting at a national level, I mean, it, it's so much greater than you can imagine. Yeah. And you really have to put that focus onto city government because the city government are really going to make the most tangible differences in your life, not the federal government. Hopefully. Yeah, hopefully. I mean, <laughs> hopefully. that's <a> responsibility. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, Betty says, uh, this young man sounds great. Oh, well, thank you, Betty. <laughs> Hope you're having a good morning. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> um, so tell us this. What's on your playlist? Oh, my playlist. Oh, <laughs> no shame. No shame. No. <laughs> <laughs> well, I always have this discussion with myself. It's kind of what are those things called? A uh, desert island. You know, you're on an island by yourself. Oh, yeah, yeah. And I always think, what kind of genre would I take with me? Would I take rap or rock? 
and I go back and forth because I really like both, and I really like a variety. Because it's both. a mood. It's a mood. It, yeah, it is yeah. a mood. Like when yeah. you talk about rock, I really like Led Zeppelin. Okay. Uh, I, and then when you come into the '80s, I like Guns N' Roses. I like Billy Idol. Uh, I like a lot of rock in Spanish as well. So Estéreo, Maná. Uh, and so, uh, so you're an old so basically oh, <laughs> and, and, you know, when i talk about rap you go like, oh you are an old so <laughs> because that's that's the rock portion of it and when it comes to rap uh i just like all you know when the gangster rap started in the 90s yeah, yeah, yeah. dr dre and snoop dogg and tupac and then you're talking about the east coast you had mob deep nas mm-hmm. biggie and all those albums i just there's something about uh, the sound of the album. You can tell that it's like that boom bap. It's an actual drum. Oh, it's, yeah, it's actual yeah. instruments. You know, it's not all techno. It's not made in a lab like a lot of rap now. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah. And so it, that authenticity, uh, the authenticity of the lyrics, it's not very repetitive either. Mm-hmm. You know, each verse kind of has like it's like a poem and it has a meaning and it has a, yeah. it has a good flow to it. And so I really like rap and rock, but apart from those, I have to give a shout out to uh, 70s funk and disco. Oh, okay. I mean, okay. I love, I love the Bee Gees. I love would you ever, Wind and Fire. Did you ever sport the bell bottoms? <laughs> I, don't, no. I don't think That's I would. Question. <laughs> hey, you know, you never know. It could come back. No. Um, do you do you listen to vinyl at all? I would assume so. No, no you don't. No. Okay, all right. You haven't made that push. Oh, I would. I would have thought you would have. Being like an old Zoe kind of thing. Yeah, like I yeah. Thought. I mean, there's a, there's a lot of artists out there. I mean, there's a lot of music. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, and some people, because that is coming back. Like the vinyl is coming back. Like it's been coming back. It's surprising. And you know, I actually do have some vinyl. I'm like, man, this is so big, <laughs> bulky. It takes mm-hmm. up a lot of space. But you're like. I don't know. There's something about it. The sound. I've always loved the sound of, of stuff that you hear the little, you know, of the, mm-hmm. the needle hitting the vinyl. It's it's pretty cool. Um, and what's the hobby of yours? Hobby of mine. I like going fishing. Okay. I haven't been in a while. I like going bass fishing. Uh, just I find it really peaceful. But it, it's nice because you know you're out on the river, you're out on the lake, whatever type of body of water you're on, and uh, you're just sitting there having a good time, and so it's really relaxing. And you got your line out there, but then once you feel that small tug, you know it's like <laughs> it flips your mood, and it just gives yeah, right. you it gives you an adrenaline rush. You're like, oh, I got a fish, <laughs> and it's just you know. So that flip flop of just being relaxed and calm, and then to getting excited, and then, you know, reeling the fish up and getting to hold them. I mean, it's a it's a nice feeling, and it, it's really good for me. It just calming my mind. It kind of makes you just relax, and uh, it's a really good escape. Is that is that like a reflection time for you? Kind of no, not no, really. Not it's kind of like just escape from everything. Okay. Now, now, don't even reflect on anything. Just you know, you're there fishing. Just yeah. relax. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Any uh, salt water or no? No, no, no salt water. No, okay. I like to go deep sea, diff- deep sea fishing. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. Well, how can people get a hold of you? How can people um, uh, volunteer, donate, and all that? Uh, I have a website. I don't know exactly where I have the link. I mean, if, if anyone's interested, my Facebook is Jacob Chapa. And then, of course, the bio will say candidate for District 7, May 6th election. And uh, within my Facebook, there is a link to my website. And uh, I find it very informative. It's much more informative than the brochure that I've been passing out recently. 
And so uh, if anyone would like to donate, I mean, it's there. And if anyone wants to reach out to volunteer, it's there. And uh, this is something also that I've discovered about myself because, you know, this is my first time running yeah. and I'm a relatively young person is that, you know, I do have a lapse. I do have a little bit of trouble reaching out for help. Uh, there, there are a lot of people that yeah, there are a lot of people that that want to help and they offer me opportunities. But my personality, I just, you know, I mean, I'm good at working in teams, but if I have the option, I like to work alone and I like to accomplish things by myself. And so I think just running for office was really useful for me because I'm having to break out of my shell a little bit and I'm having to develop a skill that I didn't want to develop in the past. But uh, now that I'm in the reality of this, I'm like, OK, well. You know, you do need help in life and uh, <laughs> you do need to reach out to people. And so it, it's still a little bit of a struggle for me, but definitely getting better. Yeah, definitely. Um, I was going to bring up a point, too. See, now it happened to me. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, uh, thank you, Jacob. Appreciate it for coming on and good luck. Man. Um, we'll be watching this race for sure because it is open. It's open seat. So, um any last things that you want to say regarding your campaign? Uh, you know, I just uh, overall, I mean, this is for anybody watching that's going to watch. Uh, I just really, I want to fix San Antonio's deepest humanitarian issues. Uh, we have a really bad sex trafficking problem. We have a really bad domestic violence problem. We have a crime problem going up. We have uh, lower high school graduates, lower, pe- lower percentage of people receiving uh, college degrees in our city. And so I think that these things, you know, and I think they need a faith-based approach. Uh, I think they need an aggressive approach from the city to combat them. Because one side of it is fighting the crime itself, and the other side of itself is the rehabilitation. And so I think the city of San Antonio really needs a purposeful investment into these things. And I think when you start to fix these problems, you can see people are more focused on their education. And they're more focused on things of that sort. And so that's when I really want to bring in another really repurposeful investment on part of the San Antonio Department of Human Services, which within them is education services. And I just want to see an overriding investment into uh, computer science, information Mm -hmm. technology, uh, cybersecurity, and all those things of that sort. Because uh, yesterday I was looking at a study by the Keenan Institute of Private Enterprise and San Antonio, their GDP is expected to go up 1.4%. And that's actually pretty good. It puts them at fifth in the country, according to that study. Mm-hmm. But you look at the cities that are before them, San Francisco's number one, Austin number two, Seattle number three, Raleigh and Dermot or North Carolina are number four. And what do all those cities have in common? They have really strong tech sectors. And so I want us to first invest in fixing these humanitarian problems and then investing in the education of our youth once these problems have hopefully been resolved. And that can make our city have more web developers, more software engineers, uh, more data programmers and all those things of that sort. And I think that that will really incentivize tech companies to want to come here. And once they come here, I mean, I think it creates a virtuous cycle. But do you think that? We're, we're, we're too far behind Austin because you have Austin that already has these tech companies out there. You know? Austin, they, they already have the tech companies, but there's a lot more out there in the market. There's a lot more in the United States. And uh, Austin's crime rate is going up. You know, you hear a lot of people, Austin's a mess. And uh, it is becoming a little bit of a mess. And uh, property values are also going up there. 
And so, you know, their tax rates are going to be probably more progressive and not as regressive. And, you know, companies like regressive tax rates. And so I think when you compare San Antonio to Austin, San Antonio does have the advantage of being possibly just simply more tax friendly. And the prices aren't as high. And uh, also for companies coming here first, there's not much competition because they're not really here. And so the first one to come here, you know, they're going to have this plethora of capital, this plethora of the population. And so that's where I said that we want to invest in computer science and information technology, because that's really going to attract the companies to want to come here. And uh, if they do come here and we have those kind of educated citizens and educated youth, I mean, they're going to get good paying jobs. They're going to be able to raise a family with financial stability. And once they just do that for one generation, you know, it snaps and it creates a virtuous cycle. Gotcha. Plus, we have better tacos at Boston. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, Much better Mexican. (laughs) Um, And says uh, Jacob Chapa is short. Oh, who is that? Uh, Anne. Thank you, Anne. Hope you have a good morning. Um, Oh, Veronica asked... uh, how do you plan on addressing the increasing property values and lack of access to housing? You kind of covered a little bit about that, but you want to just recap real, that, real quick on about that? Uh, sure. Yeah. How do you the addressing increased property? Yeah. I mean, that, that's also, like we mentioned earlier, it's a part of the appraisal district that's in accordance with Bear County. I mean, they're understaffed. Mm. And so they're, uh, they're not appraising values in a very specific manner. It's very general. And when it's very general, they're going to have the tendency to try to inflate the cost as much as they can. And so I think Bear County needs to increase their manpower there because it becomes beneficial for both parties. You have, uh, you know, less people contesting, so more citizens happy. And then the less appeals means less work for the appraisal district. So I think it's beneficial on both sides. Um, and it's also just making sure that, you know, we're not overbuilding that we're making sure that the demand for houses and, you know, supply and demand are balanced because right now, you know, prices are up, there's inflationary pressure and demand is slipping a little bit. So I think we should be cautious as a city into investing into all these new home projects when the supply is going to outpace the demand and it's not uh, within our economic reality to let this happen. And she says lack of access to housing. I mean, I'm, I'm definitely in areas where the value matches up, I support hood mandates and the city bond projects that go into this. And uh, I think it, that it's important that we, you know, we give people appropriate access to housing in a way that's, you know, affordable for them. Yeah. And uh, I just, like I said, I think you do that by making sure that the hood mandates are in areas where the property is going to be comparable. Right. Definitely. And that we're also educating, you know, uh, financial stability on our youth and young adults that we're showing them, you know, how to save, how to invest their money and all those things in the store so that one day they can afford a house. Yeah. Because that's another thing. I mean, I think a lot of people, they just, you know, they simply didn't have the benefit of being deeply educated and yeah. therefore they're not very good at managing their money. And that goes on to hurt them in the long run. So I think education is a big roadblock and a big barrier to overcome in order to uh, fix this problem of the lack of accessibility to affordable housing. Yeah, definitely. Well, thank you, Jacob. I appreciate you coming on. And and again, good luck. Um, And just stay tuned, guys. Uh, We'll have another interview here shortly. Uh, And yeah, so keep on watching, keep on sharing, keep on uh, commenting and ask questions to the candidates directly. So uh, you have a great day.